Hello and welcome to the InFocus podcast. I'm G Sampath, the Hindu's social affairs editor. On 12th June 2020, an internal working group was set up by the Reserve Bank of India to review the current licensing and regulatory guidelines regarding ownership and control of banks in India. When this working group's report was shared on the RBI website last week for comments, it emerged that the biggest recommendation was that corporate houses should be allowed to own and operate banks. Interestingly, former RBI governor Raghuram Rajan and former RBI deputy governor Viral Acharya have written a blog post titled Do we really need Indian corporations in banking? In their post, they basically tear apart the RBI report asking what is the need to open up the banking sector to corporate houses now? Is there anything new that we know now that we didn't know already for us to change our guidelines? So, why then is the RBI interested in allowing corporate houses into banking? What are the risks involved? Are Rajan and Acharya overreacting by any chance? And how are things likely to pan out if the recommendations do get implemented? To answer these questions, we have with us Vivek Kaul, well-known business columnist and author of five books, including the best-selling Easy Money Trilogy. His most recent book is called Bad Money, Inside the NPA Mess and How It Threatens the Indian Banking System. Vivek, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks, Sampath, for having me over. Okay, uh, Vivek, to start with, uh, can you give us a quick historical rundown of the banking licensing regimes India has had so far and what has been the trend like? Uh, sure. So, you know, uh, let me just go back a little in history. And uh, at, at, at the time of independence, we, we only had private banks. And then... Uh, in 1955, the Imperial Bank of India was uh, nationalized and we got uh, what is now known as the State Bank of India. In uh, 1969, uh, 14 banks which, uh, with deposits of over 50 crore, uh, which controlled around 85% of uh, the deposits in the, in, in the system, uh, along with SBI, were nationalized. Uh, and uh, in 1980, uh, uh, six more banks were nationalized, uh, banks which had, I think, deposits of more than 200 crore. So, uh, in, 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 as of 1980, the, the uh, SBI and uh, the other uh, uh, nationalized banks controlled close to 91% of uh, the Indian banking system. Uh, so, largely, uh, in, in the early 90s, we were... Uh, a banking system uh, which was uh, which which was largely owned by the government. Uh, there were obviously uh, a lot of small private banks uh, around, uh, particularly in 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 the uh, southern uh, part of uh, the country. Uh, in 1991, uh, M uh, the M Narasimhan committee, the first Narasimhan committee, which was. Uh, now, which is called the Committee on Financial Sector Reforms, uh, essentially uh, recommended the opening up of uh, the Indian banking uh, system. And uh, by opening up, I mean uh, allowing pl- private players into it. Uh, so in 1993, uh, around, uh, I think around 113 applications uh, for private banks uh, for, you know, uh, uh, to get a license to operate a private bank were received by the RBI and out of that 10 uh, uh, 10 got a license now these include uh, you know banks like uh, now you know we know uh, there is ICICI HDFC bank uh, Indusind bank uh, uh, 
Axis Bank, but I mean, Axis Bank originally got uh, its license uh, under the name UTI Bank. Uh, so these were basically the large, uh, you know, the development uh, financial institutions which got licenses. Uh, then we, then there was Global Trust Bank. Uh, then there was a bank called Development, uh, I think BCB uh, Credit Bank, which was a cooperative bank, and uh, it became a scheduled commercial bank. Uh, so ninety three ten licenses were given. Uh, the capital requirement, I think, uh, was around hundred crore. Uh, then again, in two thousand three, two thousand four, two licenses were given: uh, one to Yes Bank, another to Kotak uh, Mahindra Bank. Uh, in two thousand thirteen, fourteen, uh, two more licenses were given: one uh, to what is now IDFC First Bank, and uh, the other is uh, the Bandhan Bank. So largely, you know, if you, if you look at uh, the situation, uh, RBI uh, has not. Uh, been very proactive when it comes to giving out new banking licenses and obviously it has its uh, reasons uh, for the same uh, also you know one needs to take into account the fact that uh, uh, you know the in 19 uh, the licenses that it gave in 93 94 uh, some of the banks do not exist uh, one bank was times bank which uh, got merged into hdfc bank uh, then there were two uh, banks. One was called the Bank of Punjab. The other was called uh, the Centurion Bank. The Centurion Bank and Bank of Punjab first merged and then that bank merged into HDFC Bank. Uh, the Global Trust Bank uh, went bust and it was merged into the Oriental Bank of Commerce. So a lot of these uh, banks which first got licenses don't exist uh, anymore. Yeah. So that is, I guess, the broad story of uh, uh, you know, the licensing uh, regime in uh, India, the banking licensing regime in India. Okay. So, uh, this, this RBI working group's uh, report in its in its justification for, uh, for, for thinking of reviewing and changing the guidelines, it says that, uh, you know, uh, we need to uh, bring different, it says different banks are probably uh, under working under different kinds of licensing uh, guidelines under which they got the license and there is a need to rationalize all of them and we need to uh, get more players to increase competition and so on and so forth. So broadly speaking, what is the current regime of uh, guidelines for issuing licenses and what is the lake, what is the limit on own corporate ownership, stakes and so on? So the, the, the limit on corporate ownership, uh, you know, as a promoter is uh, 15%. And if uh, your ownership is more than 15%, then you need to dilute it over a period of time. So like currently, uh, as, as, as a promoter, you cannot own uh, more than 15% of a bank, which is why uh, a lot of NBFCs, which can easily convert themselves into, into a bank, uh, do not want to become a bank because uh, then they'll have to, uh, the promoters will have to lower their uh, ownership. So coming uh, finally to the the actual recommendations uh, of this working group, I mean, uh, what, what are what are all the what, broadly what are they actually saying? What do they want to change? Apart from one, we know is that they want uh, corporate houses to be allowed to uh, own banks and run them. So what are the broadly speaking the context and what is it that they are pushing for? So. Essentially, uh, you know, I think there are uh, three main points and, and there are a lot of sub points, but uh, I mean, there are three main points, which I think the general audience uh, is should be interested in. Uh, the first point is that the cap on uh, promoters take in, in, in the long run uh, of 15 years may be raised from the current level of 15% to 26% is, is, the, is one recommendation. 
uh, the second recommendation as as you pointed out is uh, the fact that large corporates uh, slash industrial uh, houses uh, may be allowed to become promoters of banks uh, the third uh, point is that well run uh, large non banking financial companies uh, essentially may be considered for conversion into banks now uh, uh, these are the three uh, main points which the uh, the internal working group of the rbi has uh, suggested uh, in its report okay basically in response to these three main recommendations uh, we've got two really eminent bankers who who know what they are talking about and they have criticized uh, the report basically mm-hmm. raghuram rajan and viral acharya and they have said it's a bomb shit yeah. well it's a very powerful uh, way of describing what the working uh, group report is suggesting so what is what do they mean by bomb shit and what are what are their objections right i mean uh, you know they've they've sort of uh, put forward quite a few points uh, the the first question they ask is i mean which you uh, used in your introduction as well as to why now and you know basically what has changed now that we should suddenly be allowing uh, corporates into banking after not allowing them uh, uh, all this while uh, and i think the this the most important point here is that uh, you know this could uh, essentially lead to uh, a big conflict of interest uh, you know uh, any industrial house and and a large industrial house uh, constantly needs uh, finance i mean it needs money to keep operating and uh, and you know if if you give them a if the, if you allow them to operate a bank i mean you know you you are essentially uh, giving them a permanent and a cheap source of uh, uh, finance now whether they will use the bank to carry out banking activities or whether they'll use the bank uh, to essentially carry out Uh, you know to finance their own business uh, is uh, is is the billion dollar question uh, so uh, you know the way uh, Raj- rajan and uh, acharya put it and i mean uh, i mean i have no reason to sort of not use uh, their words because they've they've you know they've they've put it in uh, very clear terms uh, so what they say is that industrial houses need financing which they can get easily no questions asked if they have an in house bank the history of such connected lending is invariably disastrous uh, how can the bank make good loans when it is owned by the borrower so clearly i mean you know the incentive it's itself is uh, not right uh, the the second point uh, they make uh, is you know they essentially say that easy access to financing via an in-house bank will further exacerbate uh, exacerbate the concentration of economic power in certain uh, business houses so which basically means that uh, you know a, a lot of uh, india's large business houses are into uh, many many different businesses if you give them uh, you know if you allow them to run a bank as well uh, i mean the kind of control they will have uh, over the economy will go up even further so i think uh, these are two uh, very strong reasons and uh, they cannot be ignored no you you but even if you allow them to come into banking you you will continue to have uh, the rbi and probably other uh, uh, regulators uh, looking in and supervising and monitoring uh, because they are, at the end of the day there are uh, norms for you know how much capital you hold how much you can lend and exposure limits and so on so aren't they aren't these norms and uh, regulations and monitoring adequate to make sure that these guys they do stick to 
the straight and narrow path of lending you know correctly and so on you know i mean you know if 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 you look at the uh, the way rbi has uh, operated in the past uh you 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 can say that uh, it 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 has been very good at uh, uh, you know cleaning up uh, once something disastrous has happened uh, but when it comes to preventing disasters i mean the the you know the rbi really hasn't been up to the mark and and there are reasons for it i mean look at something like i mean i'll give you a recent example uh, take the example of yes bank you know as late as december 2019 their bad loans rate uh, was less than 5% and uh, where you know the market essentially knew that you know they they're not reporting the number properly and the market hammered the stock stock price whereas uh, in uh, you know after the bank was rescued and and when the real numbers sort of came out uh, you came to know that uh, in uh, as of march 2020 the bad loans uh, rate of uh, yes bank was close to i think 19 20% so essentially a fifth of their uh, of the loans that they had given had uh, not been repaid for a period of 90 days or more now uh, what does that tell you it tells you obviously you know this situation for yes bank didn't go Uh, bad in a period of three months from December two thousand nineteen to March two thousand twenty. What that tells you is that they were lying, uh, and uh, I mean the similar thing happened with uh, uh, ILNFS. Now, uh, and you know the ILNFS mess we still haven't been able to sort out. It's 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 been more than two years. So uh, I think uh, you know if a banker is determined enough uh, to hide uh, his books he can do so for a for a large period of time i mean you can't expect the rbi to you know inspect everything and all the uh, you know all the uh, all the papers and, and and you know it can only you know build a system and and hope that people follow that system and over a period of time that system works and uh, and it has largely so uh, but but the point is uh, you know you will always get such deviants uh, who will uh, uh, who will get around to beating the system also you know you you, you need to take into account the fact that rbi uh, uh, is not a truly independent body i mean it uh, in a, you know there is constantly a lot of pressure on it from the department of uh, financial services now uh, how much pressure uh, the you know the institution faces and how much pressure they give in to uh, depends on 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 the governor uh, who is at the helm of things you know uh, there is a uh, as, as rajan and 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 acharya right and i'd, I'd like to quote them and then they say that uh, can the regulator not discriminate between fit and proper business and shady ones it can but it has to be truly independent with a thoroughly a political board uh whether these conditions will always pertain is debatable i mean so obviously you know this is an indirect way of uh, saying that the current rbi board is not a pol- is not uh, thoroughly a political the, the other example you know if 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 you look at the current bad loans mess uh the the signs of bad loans uh, started to come out as early as 2011 but the rbi crackdown only began uh, began in 2014 you know when uh, after dr rajan became the rbi governor uh, for the first uh, you know uh, you know uh, couple of years the rbi actually was helping banks uh, by coming up with uh, you know regulations uh, and and in order to ensure that banks could kick uh, their bad loans Uh, can down the road point here is that too many things which uh, 
essentially uh, go against uh, the RBI uh, being able to operate uh, the way it should. So, given uh, these various uh, risk factors which are involved, I mean, where, where do you think this whole idea of letting corporates into banking is, is coming from? Is it driven by, say, a desperation to find uh, bidders for public sector banks, which may be in the pipeline to be privatized? Is, is that one factor which I is mean, at play, uh, you think? See, I mean, I really don't know where this is coming from, but uh, I mean, that could be a possible uh, factor. Uh, see, the, here's the thing, you know, what, what has happened is that uh, in the aftermath of uh, the COVID pandemic, the tax uh, revenues of the government have uh, collapsed totally. And I mean, the only uh, tax that it's currently, uh, you know, making more of than it did last year is essentially excise duty. And that's also primarily because the excise duty on petrol and diesel has been uh, increased majorly during the course of this year. Uh, so the government obviously needs to look at other uh, avenues of uh, earning money. And, uh, you know, one avenue obviously is selling uh, uh, stakes in public sector uh, enterprises that it owns. Uh, now, the problem is, at, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, we have a narrative of uh, Atmanirbharta, which is being promoted. Uh, so if you want to sell, uh, let's say, half a dozen public sector banks, I mean, you obviously uh, need uh, players with uh, a decent amount of money uh, who are in a position to buy these banks. Uh, so, you know, you might expect uh, big banks like an HDFC or even an ICICI to buy uh, you know, one or two of these banks. Uh, I mean, even if they buy more, uh, you know, I mean, there is very little competition. So you, you need probably a little more competition to buy these banks and uh, and that can only happen if you allow uh, let's say you give a license to a, a large corporate and and at the same time have a uh, you know uh, at the same time put uh, the smaller public sector banks on the block uh, so that uh, you know the corporate does not have to start uh, right from scratch it can just pick up one of the banks and uh, and and you know uh, go about its uh, business. Also, uh, you know, when it comes to public sector banks, they have, uh, I mean, the, the infrastructure necessary to roll out a banking business is already in uh, place. Uh, so you don't have to start from scratch. So that could be a possible reason. But, you know, whether it is the reason, I really don't have uh, much idea of that. So, no, But if, if, if this logic is at play, wouldn't it be a better uh, approach to to, to let the public own shares in the public sector banks. I mean, why, why does it have to be yeah, sold to a... That uh, is the thing, you know, uh, I mean, I have constantly uh, advocated that uh, the government should run uh, public sector banks uh, as an investor and not as a business. So what that means is that the, uh, the government holding in these banks needs to come down to 33%. So at that level, uh, they have, uh, I mean, they'll most likely along with... Uh, you know, the likes of LIC and other government-owned financial institutions, they'll still have, uh, you know, uh, majority control in the bank. Uh, but, uh, you know, you will have to let uh, the, the bankers run the bank, uh, you know, the way they uh, want to, instead of the way uh, the government and the Department of uh, Financial Services wants it to. Now, the problem uh, here is then what happens to the social objectives uh, of the government because uh, I mean public sector banks uh, you know the constant uh, you know the moment you criticize 
the performance of public sector banks on the social media uh, uh, a lot of uh, new age public sector bankers tend to jump on you uh, saying that oh but we have to fulfill the social sector obligations as well which is true the point is then what happens to the social objectives so i'll give you a you know i mean uh, i was just looking at some numbers and uh, it's very interesting that uh, the market capitalization of uh, kotak mahindra bank uh, is 3.82 lakh crore whereas the market capitalization of state bank of india is just 2.16 lakh crore uh, kotak mahindra bank is a puny bank very small bank in comparison to the state bank uh, the market cap of hdfc bank which is the most expensive bank in india is 7.88 lakh crore now assume that uh, all the the government owned banks uh, are properly run and uh, uh, obviously uh, you know their 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 market capitalization will be much higher than it currently is and the government can easily uh, fulfill its social sector obligations uh, by uh, you know s- selling uh, you know uh, some amount of shares in these banks every year and spending that money towards uh, the social su- uh, service obligations but you know for all this to happen there is a mindset change uh, that is required uh, in the heads of uh, the babus who run the bank and that is not going to happen so right let's come back to this point uh, uh, later uh, in the in the podcast vivek now coming back to the banking licensing uh, recommendations so one of them is to uh, allow nbfcs with an asset base of uh, 50000 crores to convert into uh, banks I mean, w- w- what according to you are the risks uh, involved in this I mean, is, is it a good idea See, I think what is happening here is that uh, some of the NBFCs have become too big, and uh, and 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 I guess the RBI wants to rein them in a little, and uh, that is only possible if you convert them into a bank. Given that, as you know, as a bank, uh, NBFC, uh, as a bank, you need to maintain a, a, a CRR, a cashes of ratio. You need to invest in government securities and uh, stuff like that. Uh, so what has happened is that uh, you know uh, uh, post uh, demonetization in uh, November uh, 2016 the deposits of uh, uh, public sector banks uh, suddenly went up quite a lot and they were not able to lend it out uh, that quickly so what that means is that they were paying interest on the deposits but you know they were not able to lend that money out and earn a l- interest on the loans uh so what happened was that uh, public sector banks started uh, suddenly giving uh, uh, you know loaning out a lot of money to nbfcs and uh, this has uh, you know jumped from almost uh, around 3.91 lakh crore uh, as of march 2017 to 8.07 lakh crore as of march 2020 so in a period of 3 years uh, it's gone up quite a lot Uh, so essentially what happens now is that the risk of uh, nbfcs is also uh, has has sort of been uh, the risk of an nbfc or nbfc is not doing well has been transferred onto the books of banks uh, and and as we've seen you know some of the you know uh, nbfcs like um, uh, divan housing and island fs have not del- done well in the recent past so i think if you take uh, all this uh, information into uh, consideration and the fact that a deputy uh, governor of the rbi recently made a long speech on this particular issue 
uh, i think uh, the rbi is just trying to uh, bring down the risk in the system a little by uh, uh, encouraging a large nbfcs to convert into banks in fact so i think this is coming more from that rather than uh, you know uh, uh, basically handing a, a license a banking license to a large corporate So, so, so uh, overall, you think it's not a bad idea as such? Yeah, I mean, you know, the point is, I mean, see, NBFCs are essentially shadow banking. You know, they they lack uh, the transparency is not as good as a bank. Uh, the lending is risky, and and if they go grow beyond a certain size, uh, the amount of damage they can do to a financial system if they fail is tremendous. So it makes sense, I think, for larger NBFCs to be. i mean either converted into a bank or simply reined in i mean you cannot have nbfcs which are bigger than banks right moving on to the next uh, recommendation uh, which is about payments bank uh, being uh, allowed to turn into a full fledged bank huh. is this a good idea or uh, especially you know if they become a full fledged commercial bank they would be able to uh, uh, um, give out loans and so on and uh, the other alternative is of course to let them uh, tie up with a normal bank and then make loans and share the profits so which do you think uh, is a better way forward for payment banks so you know uh, i think uh, rajan and acharya criticized this move and i i mean again i'm i'm interpreting what they have said here and i mean i have no way of knowing whether they really mean it uh, mean what i am the way i am interpreting it i think uh, what what is happening is that if if you look at payment uh, banks licenses uh, some of the licenses are currently with uh, large corporates so which is why i think they are a little you know when you know they they are not comfortable with the idea of payments banks being converted into normal banks and which is why they suggest that you know a payment bank can tie up with a you know with with another bank and go about its uh, business so the issue here is that you know this could be another way you know it could be a backdoor uh, uh, entry uh, for a large corporate uh, to own a bank Uh, have a proper policy on so so just to uh, just to just to uh, rephrase what I mean just tell me if I understand this right so there are there seem to be apart from the the main uh, recommendation of an allowing corporates through the front door as it were by allowing them to you know own and run bank there seem to be two back doors here one is the back door of uh, corporate houses which already own NBFCs right. you allow the NBFCs to become a bank right. and that's one back door. and the other is corporates who already own a payments bank and then you allow the payments bank to uh, become a full fledged bank there's the other back door right. so and in both and in both these cases when if you look at the context where india already has a huge pile of uh, npas mm. okay and the bulk of these npas are from corporate defaults okay that's number one and number two there is a history of uh, uh, corporates which own nba nbfcs okay lending uh, to related entities via their nbfc subsidiaries right. so we have a clear track record of what corporates have done when they own uh, yeah. nbfcs and we have this corporate default context as well so in this context it seems like a really bad idea to let corporates into banking doesn't it yeah of course i mean i mean the risk is just too too high i mean if and and if you know even if uh, one of these uh, corporate owned banks sort of does not uh, do well i mean the the cost that the system will have to be the system will have to bear will uh, just be tremendous okay so so given that uh, india i mean at the end of the day india does need more banking services with all these risks when I mean, we do need more banking services our credit 
credit to GDP ratio is still quite low. So what, according to you, is the right way uh, forward uh, for a country like India? So, you know, I was, uh, you know, since you sort of talk about the uh, credit to GDP ratio, I mean, I was looking at it uh, in in, in the morning today. And uh, credit to GDP ratio... uh, vis-a-vis banks. I mean, the amount of money banks have given uh, with respect to the size of the Indian economy. And it is very, very interesting that uh, it is not just low, it has also been falling. Okay, The credit to GDP ratio uh, of Indian banks peaked in uh, 2013-14 at around 53.4%. And since then, it has fallen. And in 2019-20, it was around 51%. Now, what is happening here? This is very interesting. So, there are two things. One is the fact that uh, economic, the per capita income has slowed down in the last five, six years. So, uh, uh, you know, when, when that happens, obviously, the rate of borrowing cannot continue at the same pace. Uh, uh, continue to grow at the same pace. The second thing that I think has happened is, is the fact that uh, public sector banks, uh, because they sort of uh, overland... Uh, Overlent between 2000, I guess, 8 and 2011. And, uh, and then they had to sort of uh, take a sort of breather. And, and they have not been in a position to lend like the way they used to. Uh, because uh, they're still afraid of uh, probably, you know, the loans being uh, turning into NPL. Uh, so, uh, so how do you handle a situation like this, where uh, you cannot give loans to, uh, where you cannot give banking license to la- to large corporates, given the fact that uh, uh, you know one, the past experience has not been good, and two, I mean, if you look at the entire uh, bad loans mess, uh, the uh, the total amount of uh, domestic bad loans uh, peaked uh, as of March two thousand eighteen, and uh, the uh, amount of bad loans in the the domestic bad loans in the system was uh, close to uh, 9.62 lakh crore okay of this around 73.2% or 7.04 lakh crore were defaults made by loans to the industry sec- uh, sector and around uh, 1.23 lakh crore were defaults made by loans to the services sector so the point being that uh, you know close to more than f- uh, three fourths of the defaults were made by corporates so you know you cannot in this situation uh, you cannot uh, you know give out a loan uh, give out a banking license to corporates uh, that is a given uh, so how do you handle this situation? So you handle this situation, you know, as I said earlier, by letting public sector banks uh, being run by their managers and not by the babus uh, sitting uh, at, uh, you know, in, in the Department of Financial Services. Uh, and, you know, you re- they should be allowed to raise more capital because right now a lot of them are short on capital. And, uh, and the mo- you know, the moment they have more capital, they will be their ability to lend uh, will grow. Uh, the, the second thing that needs to be done uh, is, is that, uh, you know, every public sector bank uh, should not be uh, giving out, uh, you know, large corporate loans or loans for project finance. Uh, some of the public sector banks should just uh, stick to, you know, retail uh, retail business. I mean, uh, take a, a bank like uh, Bank of Maharashtra, which has got a very strong retail franchise in the state of Maharashtra. Now, uh, there is no reason that uh, this, you know, the Bank of Maharashtra should also do project loans or corporate loans or uh, 
so the smaller sector public sector banks should stick to uh, retail and uh, and and you know probably uh, smes and uh, and stuff which they can handle at their uh, local level uh, and the larger ones should then you know be allowed to uh, do corporate finance and and project finance and stuff like that so you know there are see it's not the lack it's not that india does not have enough banks okay uh, we still have uh, you know if if you look at uh, even after all the mergers of public sector banks uh, we still have close to 12 public sector banks uh, if you look at private banks uh, there are 10 uh, uh i think new private banks new generation private banks and there are a whole host of old uh, public uh, private sector banks uh then there are a lot of foreign banks so i don't think the problem is with the number of banks the problem is with with the fact that a lot of public sector banks in the last decade uh, have not been in a position to take uh, an adequate amount of risk while lending and that is the problem we need to solve i mean just giving out more banking licenses is not going to help so uh, so given uh, these three uh, basic points which you uh, beautifully explained one is of course three fourths of the cop of the defaults uh, npas uh, right now are from corporates number one number two psus uh, should be run by managers and uh, not by babus and the government should should uh, should run the psus as an investor and not as a business and finally uh, public sector banks should be sort of empowered to be uh, able to lend more and not necessarily uh, try and you know increase the total number of uh, banks because you already have a large number of banks and is there anything else you would like to add yeah before the public sector banks merged uh we had 27 public sector banks right so the infrastructure you know now we may, we have only 12 public sector banks but the infrastructure of 27 public sector banks is still there so and that's a large number i mean it's not a small number by any uh, stretch of imagination so thank you so much uh, vivek uh, for for joining us and sharing your insights thanks uh, sampath for having me focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other platforms just search for in focus by the hindu we'll see you soon